Welcome to 8 with 8, a podcast from Ohio State Support Team 8, where we share what's on our minds and what's in the research from the field of education. Welcome to the first episode of our newest season, where we'll focus on the many ways that PBIS, also known as Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports, can connect to and strengthen the rest of educational practice. This week, SSTA consultants Frank Gant and Mike Kaschak are going to kick us off with one of the most obvious, but also one of the most consequential connections, school discipline. Hey, Frank, what if I told you one of the most ineffective practices, but most commonly used, was suspending students from school? I would definitely have to agree with you, but we need to examine closer why that is. You know, do administrators and teachers have enough resources? Do they have enough tools in the toolbox? Or like many of us would say, do they have enough tricks of the trade? Yeah, great point, Frank. And yes, those tricks of the trade often require a shift in what practitioners are accustomed to using and often conflict with traditional practices. And we're finding through data more and more that a lot of those traditional practices cause more harm than good. That is why it is so crucial school communities and their leaders begin to rethink discipline. The good news is that the Ohio Department of Education's endorsement of implementing PBIS in each and every school statewide is moving schools to rethink discipline by giving leaders in the school not only the opportunity, but a framework to examine and focus upon reinforcing the positive behaviors rather than directing their energy and time on punitive measures. Like I said, this is a shift. You know, the routine of having families and students review the student handbook and code of conduct and click a box saying they understand and have read the entire document is a procedural compliance piece. I know as a parent, I have never read my children's entire student handbook. And for those of you out there who have, I tip my hat to you. Yet schools expect that the start of the school year ritual, that that ritual of checking the box equals an understanding of what is expected and how to navigate the school. We know that students need to be taught and retaught expectations as well as have those desired behaviors reinforced. You know, recently I was reading a uh, brief from Harvard's Educational Next website and the brief presented results released by the Department of Education of its civil rights data collection that contained some alarming statistics about disparities in school discipline. One piece that stood out to me is that students with more than one suspension who have a subsequent infraction are usually out of the classroom for more than a week. In their data, that number went from three days after the first suspension to six. And these suspensions can be particularly harmful for students because of lost instructional time. And not only that, when they're not in school, often destructive behaviors start to take shape. Statistics like this, as well as implementation of the PBIS framework, are a source of moving schools to rethink out-of-school suspensions, ISS, detention, seclusion, removal, and the litany of other consequences that lead to a decrease in performance academically. You know, Mike, you and I have been there before as former building principals. You know, you have a couple staff members sitting in the back of that professional development whispering and saying things such as PBIS is nothing but treats for kids and hugs and we're just giving them stuff instead of stuff that they should be doing already. How do you attack that mindset? Well, Frank, I think the best way to go about doing that is to directly address the myths, like you said, that surround PBIS, that often fuel the PBIS naysayers. 
One myth we often hear is that PBIS is basically bribing students to behave. Um, I wish I had one of those wrong answer buzzers like they have on a game show so I could just buzz it right now. Really, nothing could be further from the truth. Positive reinforcement is not bribery. Bribes are offered to someone before they are asked to do something they otherwise would not do or maybe should not do or maybe something that's illegal. When using positive reinforcement, like positive feedback, like, hey, good job, I like what you did when you um, completed that, that expected behavior. And when you use that positive feedback as a teaching tool, it is given only after success of expected or desired behaviors. So you give that feedback after the behavior you want to occur happens. You don't say, if, I, if you do it, I'm going to give you a cookie. So it's not bribery. Another myth about implementing PBIS is that students lose their intrinsic motivation and that they won't complete a task or respond appropriately unless they receive a treat or praise. Now, once again, if I had that wrong answer buzzer like they have on a game show, I would sound it right now. Positive feedback acknowledges student success. This method of a little extra reinforcement for new skills can also lead to increased self-motivation. Confidence in a history of success may maintain behaviors without the extra rewards. When you take this approach, frustration levels decrease and students acting out due to this frustration decrease as well. And then another myth that I, that I come across a lot is that positive reinforcement and acknowledging positive behavior like what is done with in the PBIS framework doesn't happen in the real world. But the truth is that it does exist. Just take a look at the real world that involves reinforcement being applied throughout our lives. From starting a new workout routine, uh, like if you're quitting smoking and using a rewards card at the store. In education, positive feedback as reinforcement ensures students are being successful in acquiring new skills both academically and behaviorally. Remember, they are acknowledged after success and reaching the level of expected behavior. So we're going to take a moment to talk a little bit about natural and logical consequences. And there is a difference between the two, but a consequence can be both logical and natural in predetermined circumstances. So th some of the things we want our listeners to really hone in on and really focus in a little bit on is, you know, is the consequence safe, age appropriate, and aligned to the building expectations? So what are we trying to teach here is an important aspect to really understand. Your natural consequences comes as a result of a action or inaction bringing forth an undesirable consequence. An illogical consequence makes sense based on the incident. And so that's sometimes we, we need to, to remind ourselves of those logical consequences and how do we do that? Well, we need to take time to think of those things, collaborate on and come up with a bank of those logical consequences. And it's tough because we have to take time as a group, as a team, and to really, really examine what are those unwanted and undesirable behaviors so we can link those to consequences that'll help change the behavior in the future. And most of the time that's done through teaching. So we will, we will encourage you, make sure you have a flow chart that is clearly defined and you give your staff input and the ability to choose those different consequences. So Mike, as we wrap things up, what are some things that our listeners should really focus in on moving forward? 
Well, Frank, there's so much to focus on when it comes to PBIS, but uh, from our conversation today, I'd say there's just some basics here. Uh, focusing on positive reinforcement for those desired behaviors and that relationships are very important and that consequences should be logical and natural. And I know that's a lot of information to take in, but a great resource for our listeners is to visit the pbisapps.org website and search through their Teach by Design articles. There are a lot of great tips on how practitioners can use PBIS as an alternative to addressing those uh, behaviors through discipline for both the building and the classroom. So thanks, Frank. It was great talking to you today. And that's it for another episode of 8 with 8. Thanks for joining us. More and more districts are realizing the unintended consequences of disciplinary removals. In other words, those times when students are removed from the educational environment as a result of their negative behavior. And they're looking to PBIS as a way to shift educators' energies to teaching and encouraging the behaviors they want to see. In general, we've seen a tremendous amount of support for PBIS in our region over the last decade. But for those who are new to the framework or maybe have some questions, I love the way that Frank and Mike debunk some of the nagging myths about PBIS that may keep some educators from fully moving into this practice. Be sure to come back next week as we explore the ways that we can leverage social emotional standards and curricula to support PBIS and vice versa. See you soon.